Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the Plant School Podcast. I'm Rachel, and here we learn about plants, how to care for them, how they work, and I keep it simple and taught in a way that anyone from beginner to expert can enjoy. Join me in Plant School. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Plant School Podcast, where we cover everything about plants in a very simple way. And today, I love these episodes. I'm so excited for today's. We're going to be doing another Woman in Botany episode today, and we're going to be talking about Alice Eastwood. And she is a botanist that came up while I was doing our last Woman in Botany episode. When I covered Kate Sessions, Alice Eastwood came up. And so from there, I just kind of wrote her name down and I wanted to cover her. So this is another botanist who kind of is in the same time period and also a little bit in the same area being in California. Next woman in botany episode that I do, I promise though, we're going to get out of California. We're going to do someone, maybe someone across the world. If you guys have any suggestions, I don't know if you... (laughs) I don't know why you would, but if you have like some lady that's in botany that you look up to and you live in a different country or maybe just somewhere outside of California, let me know and I will write it down on my list and it's very possible that we will get to them on one of these episodes. All right, to start out, who is Alice Eastwood? So she was a successful botanist. I say was because she has passed away, but I would say that she still is one, right? And she is a fierce conservationist. So we're going to be learning all about that, all the details of that as we go on in this episode. Starting with her early life, at the very beginning, she was born on January 19th, 1859 in Toronto, Canada, but you guys were expecting California somewhere. But no, she was actually, she's Canadian and she was born there to Colin Skinner Eastwood and Eliza Jane Gowdy Eastwood. And her mother actually died when she was only six years old. And the kids, there were three of them, they went to live with their relatives for a time. Their dad went off to go find work and left them for a period of time. So Alice, she lived with her uncle and he was an experimental horticulturist. And horticulturist is just an expert in garden cultivation and management. That's that's what that means. So he kind of started the seed, pun definitely intended, and he helped her inspire her love of plants. And when she was young, her favorite plant was the partridge berry and the wild raspberry, which I totally get, Alice, because both of those are edible. I think we knew wild raspberries were edible, but I've never tried a partridge berry. And I don't know, maybe I need to go to Canada or I think they grow in the eastern like side of the United States. Go try a partridge berry. I totally get why she would like those. She was a kid. She could eat those plants. 
but I love berries as well. So it makes sense that a little girl would have those as her favorite plants. And for a time after they lived with their relatives, they also lived in a convent for a time in Oshawa, Ontario, also in Canada. And there was a man named Father Pew. He was an older French priest and also the gardener. And he helped Alice kind of nurture that botanical interest that she had gotten from her uncle. Eventually, when Alice was 14, they moved to Denver, Colorado, where her father was. That's where he had found a job. And so they all went there, her and her two siblings. And she helped with family expenses. She worked as a nursemaid for these young children in the Scherer family. And this really helped her find kind of a pathway, like the start of her career pathway. Because the Scherer's they let her have access to their large library. And of course, you know, she was drawn to those botanical books and they were also kind enough to always be inviting her on their camping trips and they would have them up in the Colorado mountains. And she learned to really love the alpine vegetation there and immediately was drawn to it. So later, in 1879, she graduated from high school. She was actually the valedictorian. And this is cool because she actually dropped out for a time because she had to stop and work to help support her family. But she did eventually graduate from East Denver High School. And after she graduated, she ended up teaching at the high school. And they gave her a salary of $475 every year. So if you convert that $475 salary to today's dollars, I calculate it on some inflation calculator that I was able to find. It is about $13,354 for today. That would be your yearly salary. It's pretty meager. That's all I'm saying. But she was very wise with her money. She saved a lot of it, and by saving a lot of her salary, she was able to do a lot of great things afterwards, including supporting herself as a botanist. But while she had this job, teaching and earning that $4.75 a year, she would continue to explore the mountains of Colorado, probably on weekends, probably during school breaks, and she's just, she's just kind of a bad A. I would say the real word, but honestly, guys, I'm not a swearer. I don't swear. And so we're just going to refer to her as bad A. But she learned to ride horses and she would take her horse to, you know, kind of the more inaccessible places up in the mountains. And she designed her own outfits to be able to like get around these mountains without having anything in her way. So she created a button-down skirt. She made it from heavy denim so that it wouldn't tear or rip. And she didn't bring much with her so that she could be gathering specimens, gathering plants, and she could put them in these heavy wooden plant presses that she had because she was collecting these for science for her own collection she would have these pressed plants to study. And just in case you guys don't know, when someone studies plants and they are into like studying a certain genus or a certain species, it's very common for them to take a lot of these pressed plants, these collections, if you will, and study those. Sometimes they'll take tiny little samples off of them, not too much because they don't want to hurt the sample and different things like that, and they have 
herbariums that are just full of these pages and pages of pressed plants that have been meticulously collected by professionals all over the world. And they're kind of traded between universities. Pretty much every large university will have an herbarium. You may not think it does. They're usually hidden somewhere where professors and students can go to study them and they will put their plants out on loan to other universities and those other universities will do the same and send their plants on loan to you as well. So you can be looking at plants from literally all over the country and all over the world. But for Alice Eastwood, she was kind of creating her own collection. She was very interested in the alpine flora of the Colorado mountains and this is what she would do in her free time. Another note is when she would go on these trips to go collect plants, she never brought a gun with her. And that was super common to have one because this was the frontier times. There's ranchers and cowboys out there. But her personal philosophy was that fear would bring danger. And so she didn't want to bring in fear and have a gun. So she would just go about really trying to abate that fear, which I thought was pretty cool. Pretty, again, bad A of her because I feel like I would be nervous about bears, mountain lions, whatever is in those Colorado mountains. You know, I feel like it can be pretty rugged. So with her collecting plants in her free time, she was actually the first one to start like the first plant collection in Colorado at the time. She was the first, which is really cool. And she became so comfortable and familiar with the Colorado mountains that later in life, when she was 28, she had moved away at this time, but she was asked to come back to Denver. And she was asked to lead Alfred Russell Wallace, who was 66 years old at the time, and basically be his guide to go up to the summit of Gray's Peak in Denver. Now, a lot of you are probably like, who the heck is Alfred Russell Wallace? Why do we care about this old man? Let me tell you, he's actually one of the fathers of the theory of evolution by natural selection. And when you think of that, when you hear that, you know, theory of evolution by natural selection, Charles Darwin will come to mind, but Alfred Russell Wallace is also credited with the idea them together are the fathers of the theory of evolution by natural selection. And I just think that is so cool. Like in the science world, I feel like he's kind of, he would be a celebrity, right? It's just so cool that Alice was asked like, hey, can you come back from California and give this guy a tour? Because you know these plants really well. I feel like that would be a really high honor. He was actually very impressed by all of her knowledge and all of her skills, and he actually even referred to her in his autobiography as he was writing about his life. She was included in that because she had made such an impression on him. All right, guys, I am going to take a break, but when we come back, we're going to get into like the meat of her life, what her works and achievements were, and I'm telling you, she just gets better and better and cooler and cooler. Hello, my name is Abby and I'm the host of the Sweet Baby Gay podcast. We are a podcast to learn about the community straight from queer people. I do this by bringing on guests straight from my audience to teach us about their life and their experiences. That way we are getting the most authentic stories and showing that there are so many different sides to being queer and that there is a place for everybody. So whether you're a baby gay trying to learn or a veteran gay trying to share their experience, come join us at Sweet Baby Gay Pod. 
You can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Sweet Baby Gay and you can find us on Instagram at Sweet Baby Gay Pod. Again, that's wherever you get your podcasts, Sweet Baby Gay, or on Instagram at Sweet Baby Gay Pod. Thank you guys. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. All right, so diving in to Alice's main achievements of her life. Not saying that she hasn't already achieved a lot, being, you know a self-taught botanist and designing her own clothes to go hang out in the mountains and create Colorado's first plant collection, like already achieved a lot. I would be happy with that if I had achieved that by the time I was her age. But moving where we started off, she quit teaching in 1890. So she had stayed there for 10 years to teach and she had enough money to pursue botany just all on her own. She would write articles and she even wrote some articles for this nature journal named Zoe and the Brandages, it was a husband and wife, they owned this nature journal and had asked her to write for them. And Mary Catherine Brandage, the wife, she was the curator of the botany department at the California Academy of Sciences. And after getting these articles from Alice Eastwood, she thought, hey, I think you would do really well here, like having a job here at the California Academy of Sciences. So she offered her a job in the herbarium and Alice accepted. She was really great at her job, you know, no surprise there. And she really helped grow their herbarium. And in 1892, so just two years later, she was promoted to work directly with Kate Brandage as like a co-curator or assistant manager or assistant to the manager. How does Michael Scott put it? Oh, guys, I should know this. All you office people know what I'm talking about. So during this time, not only was she working in the herbarium with Kate Brandage, but she was also writing books. So in 1893, she came out with a book called A Popular Flora of Denver, Colorado. And it was the very first book on the flora of central Colorado. No one had ever done it before, but Alice Eastwood did. And when Kate Brandage was getting ready to retire after about another three years since she had first started, Alice took over. She was the head curator of the Department of Botany at the Academy of California. And she actually held this position until she retired in 1949. That is 55 years of work that she put in. So once she got this job outside of that teaching high school job, this was like her career. All us millennials, I I don't know if I consider myself a millennial. I'm just like right in the awkward in between. But if any of you are millennials listening, you know how rare this is. We are not ones statistically to stay at a job, especially for 55 years. We're job hoppers. I don't know if we could relate to Alice Eastwood in this realm. 
So she is in California. She's working as the head curator and she also has taken up different causes around conservation. So one of her biggest ones was the Redwood Creek Canyon that is now Muir Woods National Monument and Mount Tamalpais State Park. She really thought that these redwoods over in California should not be touched, should not be developed. Actually, I have a quote from her talking about this conservation cause. She said, there is only one reason why I wish I had one million dollars. The only thing I want that amount of money for is to buy Redwood Park and Mount Tamalpais and present them to the state of California for a public reserve. She had a big role in conserving the redwoods in California. And I think she would be happy to know that today they are national parks and public areas, you know, where they can't be developed. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to the redwoods, like Redwood National Forest or anything like that. I've been once. I was in early pregnancy with my second and oh, I was so sick but it was so beautiful and I still like cannot get over how pretty it was. If you guys are into plants like I am, which I think you are because you're here listening, Redwood National Forest is beautiful, beautiful. And I think Alice Eastwood would approve of you going there. All right, so moving on, this is like one of the star moments of Alice Eastwood's life. She has a lot of them, but this one I think is the most striking when you hear about her history. So in 1906, on April 18th, there was a huge earthquake. It's the Great San Francisco Earthquake. You guys may have heard of it, but it hit the city and it affected the academy that Alice was working at. So this is crazy to me. She went into the crumbling academy. It was literally not safe to go in. It was falling to pieces. There were buildings nearby that were on fire and she went in to try to save the plant collections. So she went in and she did come out. She saved 1,211 species that were immensely valuable and rare. She also saved many books from the college's collection. They still have those as like key college history since so much was destroyed. Alice was able to save a bunch. She did not save any of her own work. She just grabbed what she knew was most valuable and important, and this was because she had actually categorized these plants herself and she knew exactly where they were so that she could go in and grab them. So in her own words, she described this incident. This is what she said, not a book from my department was I able to save nor a single thing of my own except my favorite lens without which I should feel helpless. I thought that was cute. (laughs) Only thing that she saved for herself was her favorite lens. And if you guys have ever gone plant collecting, and geologists, I believe, use these as well. You have a little lens. It's like the circular piece of glass, usually encased in metal, and you can kind of like slide it open and peek through it as a magnifying glass to look really closely at, you know, plants, insects, rocks, whatever you're studying at that time. But yeah, she snagged that of hers, but nothing else of hers was she able to bring out. But this earthquake just 
to give you guys context of if you're not already convinced that she's amazing for going into a crumbling building where she worked. This earthquake destroyed about 80% of the city. About 3,000 people were killed and the fires that it caused lasted for days. It's remembered as one of the worst and deadliest earthquakes in USA history. So obviously the academy had to be rebuilt since it had been destroyed and while it was being rebuilt, Alice was able to go abroad and she studied all over the US. She also went over to Europe and she studied at places like Kew Garden. She studied in Paris and was able to have this amazing opportunity to be abroad and learn. And by 1912, this was six years after the earthquake, the new building was ready. And she returned as the head curator. She went right back to her job. She literally spent the rest of her career rebuilding the collection that had been lost in that earthquake. And she added to it, there was about 340,000 specimens that she was involved in adding. She literally tripled the number of specimens before the 1906 fire. So if you count after the 1906 fire, you know, she increased it by like 300,000 fold. But yeah, she tripled the collection from what it had been. She also added a lot of books to their botanical library with her own funds. She would buy them and stick them into the library for everyone to use. And during her career, she continued to go on collecting trips. She didn't just stay in California or anything. She was going everywhere. She went to most commonly Alaska, Arizona, Idaho, and Utah. And she also was publishing. So she published over 300 articles and she was publishing books and scientific papers. She was a very busy woman. I feel like it was more of like a quiet work that she was doing, especially after that earthquake, but it made such a difference. Later in her life, she retired as the curator. She was 90 years old. And like I mentioned, she retired in 1949 and had spent a total of 57 years at the academy. She spent 55, as I mentioned, at that one job. But if you count those first two years where she was working with Kate Brandegee, that makes 57 years at the California Academy of Sciences. And as for herself, Alice Eastwood collected over 300,000 specimens on her own in her lifetime, which is a crazy number. Just, can I give you guys like a pathetic contextual, is that a word? A pathetic piece of context for that, just like how big 300,000 is. For one of my classes I took in my major, I can't quite remember the name of it. I remember in the name it had botany. <laughs> Oh, that's pathetic. We had to go out and I believe we had to collect 50 different specimens. We had to find them on our own. They all had to be different. We took them, we pressed them in a plant press. We took them out and we wrote a description, their scientific name, and we had to like sign it like they do as you know, scientists do when they're actually collecting plants and basically just kind of experience what it is like to collect specimens for a real collection. It was so much work. I took it in like a spring course, so it was like jammed into six weeks, which 
was like a decent amount of time that's like two months but still I was so stressed it was so hard for me like things would mold on me because I didn't press them properly or I just didn't get a really great specimen and it just looked kind of crappy so the fact that Alice Eastwood collected 300,000 and yeah she lived to be 90 I did my 50 in like six weeks but I think that is amazing it truly shows just how much she loved this to be doing it her whole life and to never really stop that kind of passion is just amazing to me so Alice Eastwood has died she died from cancer on October 30th in 1853 she was 94 years old when she passed away. And to kind of close this up, because I hate to end on just the day she died, I want to go over how was Alice Eastwood remembered today. So number one, she has multiple plants that are named after her. And that includes having two genera named after her. So there's the Aliceella and the Eastwoodia genuses that are named after her. And I feel like that's like a pretty big deal because genuses can include quite a few plants and it really ensures that you're remembered by the community for generations upon generations. Just like as a fun fact, you know, not a lot of people get to put their name in naming, you know, plants, animals, anything really. It's not something you can just like stick in there willy-nilly unless you are the founder of it and it meets the expectations and the guidelines that they have laid out like you can't choose anything ridiculous or crude they have this whole set of guidelines so if you fit those you can name it if you found it and it's truly you know a new bug or a new plant or species whatever but when I was looking up like how big of a deal is this the only like famous person that's ever had this done which doesn't surprise me is Beyonce she actually has a fly named after her it's the Scaptia Beyonce fly and it has a gold butt so I think that is why they named it after her I don't know it's not like she found the fly Beyonce is she's not an entomologist who's out collecting flies we all know what she does Anyways, this fly with a golden butt is named after her and it's it's just not common for that to happen. Anyways, going back to Alice Eastwood, I was just trying to prove the point that it is such a big deal that she has had two genuses named after her. And when you look at how many plant species she has named after her, there are 395. So beat that, Beyonce. You got one fly. Alice Eastwood, our girl, she has 395. <laughs> Pretty amazing stuff. And also with how she is being remembered today, the California Academy's herbarium is known as the Alice Eastwood Herbarium, which I think is very fitting. Seeing how she saved what was most valuable from that first herbarium before the earthquake. There's also a Camp Alice Eastwood campground dedicated to her in the Mount Tamalapis State Park. Also, I've never been to this state park. I apologize if I am saying it wrong, but it was dedicated to her just after she retired, so she was alive to see it in 1949. And there is a giant grove of redwood trees and a trail in the Redwood State Park that is named after her. I looked it up on all trails, 
and it had a 4.6 star rating. It was described as a 2.6 moderately traffic trail out and back in Mill Valley, California. But I think that's so awesome that she has her own trail dedicated to her and to these redwoods that she obviously was fond of and people had that chance to remember her. I don't know if like the general public would really be like, oh yes, Alice Eastwood, but all of you listening, you guys would know. If you went on that trail, you would have a full appreciation. You know what? That's actually a really good idea. What if we all got together and we went on a trip to the Redwoods and we went on the Alice Eastwood Trail? Guys, this would be amazing. Let me know if you're down because I'm down. Anyways, guys, thank you so much for listening to today's podcast episode. It means the world that you guys are here and listening. And I hope you guys will join me for next week's episode. Thank you for being here and listening today, and I hope you'll join me next week. If you'd like to support this podcast and keep it going, you can find the support link below in the description and donate. Or, I have some awesome Plant School merch, including stickers, shirts, and mugs, and the link to my shop is in the description as well. And if you don't want to spend any money but still support the podcast, share this podcast with a friend, either verbally or electronically. This will even qualify you for my giveaway. Just message me on Instagram at tinnyplant that you shared the podcast with a friend, and you'll be entered in for a chance to win some goodies. Winners will be announced on the podcast. Again, thank you for listening and I hope you have a great week.